0: Good morning, LCM. Today is Sunday, June 2nd, 2019. Can you believe we're already in June? Mm. Man, this is incredible. The title of today's service is All Grown Up. Yeah. What a good day we're having already, and what a good season that we are in as a church. We're less than three weeks away from one wedding, less than 50 days away from another. Mm -mm. We are having children at an astronomical rate. We are being fruitful and multiplying all over this place. It's amazing. The Lord is saving people. We're watching people get filled with the Holy
1: Spirit. This is a great time to be at LCM. We will say this every message, every sermon. We're going to recount what God has already said. And that is that the first of the year, he was going to prosper our marriages. He was going to prosper babies in our church. He was going to prosper with souls and resources. So we got... Babies filling up our church so much that I think we'll have to build a sanctuary size room for just all of our children we have an L7. That's our lactation lounge and it was originated because we have seven children on the way I think we multiply seven times ten and that's how many children we're going to have back there Isn't this been a good time of God prospering this church? Marriages you guys have gone through the refresher of marriage counseling, marriage enrichment, whichever your pride will allow you to say. But let's just say your marriages have been strengthened, and I'm watching each and every couple thrive in their marriages as we crush our Nabal traits and edify the Abigail. We're watching people having victory and power in their workplaces. Number one, y'all are still employed. Yes, that alone is the power of God. Some years ago, about half our chor- church was just looking for a job somewhere. Praise God, y'all found one. In addition, to that people are finding their footing in every area of life. Come on, we're, we're getting our foundations right in the house of God. Amen? Come on, as disciples,
0: you guys are learning to walk in confidence. What we hear almost every service is the Lord is with us. We should be standing forward. We should be acting in the confidence that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. Today, he's challenging us in this same type of pathway. His great love, his great design and power for us has been given to us in this place today. So let's jump right into scripture. Everybody turn with us to Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse
1: 14. Say there when you are there. There, there. It's like you're looking at my one note or something. I don't know. I hope not there. Verse 14, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves. You know, when I read this verse now, pastor, I can't help but think of some of our worship services and the fathers that you are, you will dance. You will celebrate in God's presence right here down front and with everyone. And you'll take your infant with you as you go. And as you dance, I'm watching your child go from one shoulder to the other as you hold them in one arm. They're just being tossed around all like this as you're praising. It is a wonderful thing to see. But the emphasis that we're getting at continues on. Blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, everybody say Instead. Instead. Speaking the truth in love, we will in all things, say this with me, grow Grow up. up. Grow up. We will in all things grow up into him who is the head, and that is Christ.
0: Hang on. Pastor just asked you to say it with him. So we're all going to say it together. Ready? Grow up. Okay, that was uh, 38.6% of you. Here we go. Let's try it again. We're going to say the words grow
1: up together, right? right? Grow up. There we go. Now we're kicking. Coffee is now digesting, activating the brain. How about this? Look at your neighbor and say, grow up. Grow up. Now we got some more participation. Amen. The whole point of it is, let's look at the Scripture carefully. That in, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head. We're leading out with this because we give ourselves more merit and more credit than we actually do a lot of times. You know, Lord... I've overcome this area of my sinful nature. I've matured and aged to this level in life, in my job, in education. I think I'm pretty grown up a little bit. In fact, I'm all grown up. But until the Lord begins to add some adversity to our life, we don't realize that there are significant areas of our life that just have to continue to grow up. Amen. And particularly grow up into what? Into, the, into Christ, the head of the church. You know, it's one thing to grow up in an educational level and you earn a degree. But pastor, if someone has a degree, does that make them fully competent to be employed? Absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> not. They got to grow up a little bit. Amen. Look at verse 16, guys. It
0: says this. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part Does its work. You know, as we were singing during worship, right, one of the last songs that we sang is let's make his name glorious. Let's shout his praise. Let's shout his name because he's glorious. And what I felt the Lord speak in my spirit is that uh, at that moment was, yes, you're right. You are right to think this. You are right to give me every ounce of glory that you have and to exalt my name as high as you possibly can. And whatever you are able to do, I assure you that he is worth more than that. He is more glorious. He is more powerful. So as we're talking about this today, we're looking at the whole body. Come on, somebody say whole body. Whole body. The whole body joined and held together. (laughs) You ever felt like you were falling apart? Anybody ever had that kind of day, that kind of week, that kind of
1: month or year
0: where you just felt like everything was kind of just falling apart? This is teaching us today. We're going to teach you how to hold it together. We're going to teach you by being all grown up. We're going to show you how to hold these things together because this is what the body of Christ does. The whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. That means that you got a part in this today. That means Amen. that I can think I'm all grown up, but unless you're doing your part, the body cannot see what it's supposed to be. The body cannot be what it's supposed to be. And that glorious name that we shout about, that we sing about, that we give all that we have in a worship song about is not going to be fully realized because yeah. we are not growing up into the head, which is Christ himself. I, I, I believe and I know that we have a, a word for you today. Not just a word, but I believe that the Lord has been turning this in our hearts this week. I believe that what we've been experiencing as your pastors, this is how I know that this word is for you, because this word is for me. That's how I know that it's supposed to be for you. I trust that what the Lord is doing here in one part of the body is going to be effective in the whole body. Let's turn together to Genesis chapter 6. Let's begin to dig into this principle.
1: Genesis chapter 6, and let's start in verse 9. Say, grow up when you're there. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. Come on. Blameless among the people of his time. And he walked with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Our discussion today starts with Noah. We all grow up seeing the pictures, having the the imagery of Sunday school. Very, very common figure. And classifies him as two characteristics, righteous and blameless. Yeah, now, uh, one unique thing I saw in this, is, that's an, a, a caveat, is that he was righteous and blameless among the people of his time. You know, God will drop you in a sea of wickedness, of darkness, in order to shine a light and magnify the righteous and blameless nature of Christ inside of you. Amen. But in turn, it's going to demand something of you. And that is, you're going to have to grow up into that righteousness and that blamelessness. Yeah. For years, I would go to my workplace and I would bemoan the wicked element all around me. And I would ask the Lord, please deliver me. Give me a job working at a Christian bookstore or something. <laughs> Less you... than I know, that would be even worse than the workplace I was in. Can you, can you imagine Pastor Matt at a Christian bookstore? <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah, I'd probably wear some culottes <laughs> or something. I don't know.
0: <laughs> that would be awesome.
1: But he was righteous and blameless among the people of his time. The context is that these people were so wicked, God wanted to wipe them off of the face of the earth. That Noah and his family were the only ones that were righteous and blameless on the face of the earth. He demonstrated this by walking with God, keeping in step with the next thing that God had for him to do. What that looks like is that he was always maturing. The minute that we stop keeping in step with God, we stop growing up. That's true. We think that we're all grown up, but we're really not. The impact of his obedience and constant keeping of step with God's will meant that it was salvation not just for him alone, not even for just him and his wife or him and his entire family. We are sitting and living and breathing right now because of the obedience that Noah demonstrated By just growing up with the next thing that God gave them. Verse 11. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become. For all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. The way that they walked. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people. For the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. Now, in addition to be surrounded by wickedness, now there is an impending a looming judgment that's about to fall on the entirety of the earth. An immature heart would say, Woohoo! Death to them, life to me, I'm out of here. But you know that Hebrews calls Noah a preacher of righteousness? That though he was surrounded by those who were not only wicked, but destined for God's judgment, his obedience and his maturity allowed him to look and see that salvation was needed for the nations around him. Yeah, amen. He wasn't selfish. He was able to see that God's judgment was imminent, but salvation was also available.
0: Yeah, one of the signs of true maturity is you quit thinking only about yourself, isn't it? Yeah. You start seeing the, other, the, the care of the needs of the people around you, you start caring for them. Let's look at verse 17 in the same passage. He says, I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that has the breath of life in it. You think God's a little bit upset with these people? Hey, how does your workplace sound compared to this? Sound like you have it worse than Noah did? Sound like that where your concerns are worse than what Noah has here? I don't think so. Everything on earth will perish. But... I will establish my covenant with you. See, it doesn't matter what our surroundings are because when God establishes a covenant with us, we're able to understand that He's got a calling, a purpose for our lives. Then when we begin to walk in that, it changes everything. It literally doesn't matter how many people there are on the face of the planet if you've got a covenant with God. It doesn't matter how many people are doing right. You have no excuse. It's almost like we're in the majority if we have the presence of God with us. Amen? and you will enter the ark see i have this mechanism for you i have this direction for you and as you do this not only you but you and your sons and your wife and your son's wives it's always about the generations yeah. god's co- got a covenant with man we see here in this few verses that, that there is a global nature to what noah has got called on his life it affects every single living creature on the world the global nature of our call is what we should be thinking about in these same moments. Amen. Come on, are, are you getting mature enough? Or are you getting all grown up enough to not just think about you making it through a day? Not through you just surviving through the week, but, but who you're reaching on your job places, who you're reaching out in the marketplaces, where you are to get through the generations. This global nature, man, this starts all the way back in Genesis. We don't even have to turn there. We're made in God's image and His likeness. Yeah. We are made to fill and to subdue the earth. Yeah. To male and kibosh the things that are around us.
1: Come on.
0: How you doing on filling? And how you doing on kiboshing lately? This is what we are walking towards. These things we are to ever set before us. That like Noah, taking over a hundred years to build an ark. Every day, having to learn how to become a master shipbuilder. Every day learning what it's like to keep faithful in the work that God has for him. Moving forward every single day and knowing that judgment is impending. And yet standing firm in exactly what God has said. Yeah. Man, know is somebody that we can look up to and emulate here in this place today. We are to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And you can think about, I'm immediately reminded of Isaiah 26, I believe it's 17, where it talks about Israel saying, yeah, we didn't bring salvation to the ends of the earth, which shows that they know that that is their purpose in the world. And in that passage, they were saying they, they hadn't done it, but they are still yet going to do that. And we are going to be part of God's ultimate fulfillment in these things. We are not only to bring salvation to the ends of the earth, but we are to bring shalom everywhere that we go. The right order of God in everything that we do. And this is what we see in Noah's life. Verse
1: 22 is one of those jaw-dropping awesome verses. Ain't that right, Chris? That's Chris's phrase. Verse 22 says, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. I'm going to ask you a question. What would it be like... If your name was inserted there, how would the rest of that sentence read? Just as of right now, your life was measured before the throne of God and all the deeds were laid out of your life. Could your name be inserted in the same manner that Noah's was? You see, as he was building the ark, he was also growing up in his salvation through the process. Here's what I mean. He, he was about a tender age of 500 years old, <laughs> right? Just getting started. I mean, At this point, he's only half of Methuselah. But 500 years old, and God gives him a task that may be well beyond just his physical strength, his natural strength. He needs his sons and his family to help him build this ark. What if he said on the inside, it's like, Lord, I'm I'm well past this. I've matured past this responsibility to go build an ark. Somebody else needs to do this and I'll just maybe supervise it. <laughs> I've elevated myself to a level where I don't need to be obedient to your voice anymore. Wow. As a young man, 17, 18 years old, in love with Jesus, on fire for the Lord. I begin to take notice of those who do and those who do not make it in the kingdom of God. And the number one detriment to a person's salvation was the way that they viewed themselves. Their own pride. I would watch 20-year-old men think that they're 60 years old in their wisdom and understanding. They would begin to elevate themselves and build for themselves their own little kingdom that then would come crashing down whenever their wisdom would prove false. On the inverse, I would see 50-year-old men that would only tout the number of years that they had spent in the kingdom, but they're living the same way at the 25th year that they lived at the first. Hmm. They've never progressed. They never grew up because every task that God began to give them that challenged them to do more, to go more, to pour out their lives more. They kept deferring to somebody else, but yet claiming they had all grown up. From that point forward. May what was said about Noah. Be also said of us in this room. Why do we get so intense? Which is the typical moniker for this church. And I'm proud to have it. Why do we give you that right foot of encouragement in the derriere? (laughs) Because we want this phrase to be said about your life. Amen. That you have done everything that the Lord has commanded you. The fruit of it is that you will have a clear understanding of your call just like Noah had a clear understanding of his call. By knowing your call and your function in the same way for Noah, it provides the power to rise above the sin of iniquity that surrounds you and the impending judgment on the souls of those who are still living but walking around dead.
0: Come on, let's talk a little bit more about how to be like Noah. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Surprised you there? Because I'm turning to Romans 12 and it's not Pastor Matt, but it's okay. We will make it through this. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. It. Romans 12, 3. It says this, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Come on, somebody say sober judgment.
1: Sober judgment.
0: Boy, that's so easy to say and so difficult to get, isn't it? That is a difficult process for us as human beings to have. We can look at others and think we can point out every flaw that they've ever had and every solution that they could ever need. But when we look at ourselves in the mirror, boy, it's hard to get a sober judgment, isn't it, Carlos? We have to get this. But think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. Mm. Wow. To think more highly of yourself. Now, I don't want to ask this question of how many of us think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. Because we'd all be probably raising our hands. And if you didn't, then you're probably thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to (laughs) in that moment. If you immediately think that you are beyond the encouragement of this word today because you think you already know where we're going. You think you know that, okay, got it, pastor. We're going to be all grown up. Or this particular word doesn't exactly fit with you today. Be careful lest you're thinking of yourselves more highly than you ought to. Because the word of God is alive.
1: Yeah.
0: It's not trying to be alive. It will not be alive. It is alive. It begins to engage with us. Each one of us goes, hmm, if I'm not supposed to think of myself more highly than I ought to, but with sober judgment. You know, I'm thinking about a, a, a phrase in Philippians chapter one. It says that you may be able to be discer- to discern what is best. Just a few verses before the one we read that you may know and be able to test and approve God's good and His perfect and his pleasing will. See, there's a design here. It's not just for you to know an answer of what you should do. That's the easy part. See, we all like to just come up with answers at times. I, I, I'm, I'm talking to you today. Because you're my family. Every conversation that I've had this week, every significant conversation that I have, I've had with anyone in this church this week, you know what it's really come down to? You need to see rightly what the Lord is doing. That's all. That's every conversation I've had. All the details are different. Every situation is complex in its own way. And they all come down to this. You got to think of yourself rightly and you got to start thinking with sober judgment. Because when you do that, it opens you up to a realm of maturity that you can walk in and conquer every problem that's before you. You see, when we're praising God and saying, make your name glorious, Lord, you are awesome. And then we go in our lives and we make our own decision and then walk it out as if the God of all creation is not available to you to speak to you. See, we have a disconnect and we're probably thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to. We're thinking because I've praised on a stage, because I've been in an altar, because I've done something like that, man, I, I think I'm good with God. How is your soul? How is your shalom today? If we were if we were in Israel, we would greet each other with a how is your shalom? Yeah. Yeah. How is your shalom with God? How are you thinking about yourself? Are you looking at yourself like Noah, who was faithful and did everything that the Lord had commanded? Or are we coming up with our own decisions, walking them, and then having to run back to the Lord because we feel like our life is falling apart? We have areas where we're doing good, but then it all falls apart. See, our marriage is doing good for a little while, but then we have days where it falls apart. It's because the Lord is trying to cause us to grow up and have sober judgment about ourselves. What does that mean? How is your sober judgment today?
1: Pastor, I don't know how it was for you growing up. But I know there would be sobering moments of my childhood the minute that uh, a tree limb was applied to my backside, <laughs> that I thought of myself more highly than I ought to until my father disciplined me on my <laughs> rear end. Well, it same seem, seems in the kingdom, is that most of the time we don't recognize how highly we think of ourselves until we're corrected. And the minute that correction comes, our pride... Our defense flares up, we begin to justify, we begin to deny, or we're just silent, not, not verbally being combative, but inwardly denying every bit of the correction that's coming to us. Wow. So we have to love correction. Yeah. yeah. You that's know what true. maturity looks like is, oh, thank you so much. That is oil on my head. I will definitely evaluate and apply God's word to my life and correcting that issue. That's what a mature believer looks like. But a mature believer is not just saying that. Yeah.
0: yeah. See, we're a church where we've, we're training you mm. to say what's right. We're showing you what the scripture says. You should be able to quote Psalm 141 5 just because you've been here. Let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. Thank you, pastor, for your loving and disciplined correction of me. And then you go home and you feel abused, hurt, wounded you walk around like a little puppy dog for about a week and a half until we come over and we love you and we hug you and we pat you on your little head and give you a little bowl of water i'm
1: sorry pastor i I repent i've been hating you in my heart since you corrected me
0: (laughs) see it would be yeah hypothetically of course (laughs) hey yeah not like that's happened this week um we're family This is okay If it's not you this week, I promise if it is you this week, it'll be somebody else next week. So just relax. That's right. Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. We're trying to encourage you to grow up and have sober judgment today so that every bit of correction that comes along doesn't rattle you for a week at a time, for hours at a time, for days at a time. But look at the last part of this verse. It says in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. You know what the problem is and why you don't look at yourself rightly? It's because you're not operating in the faith that God has apportioned to you. See, if, if Matt tells me something that I'm not doing well and I get offended at him or I get hurt, well, I'm not really offended. I mean, it's really not offense. It's just, it kind of hurt my feelings. I'm processing it. I'm, I'm processing I'm what processing. you're saying. Then what I'm doing is, be I allow, by allowing those conversations in my own mind. Y'all know what I'm talking about. The conversations inside that you have with someone you know, if you've ever been upset, at, I, I know you have. You've been upset enough at somebody and you got in a conversation, you didn't feel like you handled it well, so what do you do for the next two hours? You, read the, you replay the conversation, and in your replay, pow, you get them just right. You God say the said, right thing. And then she said, and then <laughs> we said, and... If you spend your time doing that, then what you've just done is not had the faith that God is actually with you and going to work through righteous, unrighteous, wonderful, well-meaning, inappropriate, whatever it may be that God is going to use those things to work something out in you. You're not at a disadvantage. And every time you can't think rightly in sober judgment, you're forgetting that you are not at a disadvantage. I'm going to say this now, and hopefully I'll say it many more times today. Look at me, church. Right here while we're near the beginning of this. Do not allow yourself to be thinking sinful thoughts. Don't think sinful thoughts about your spouse. What does that look like? You're only thinking and seeing them as Nabal. You're only seeing their Nabal traits. That's all that they are. That's all that they're going to do. You're not allowed to think that. Don't look at other people in the church and only see their negative and only see the things that they should get right. That is you not having sober judgment. Don't allow yourself to think it. Don't allow yourself to think unfaithful thoughts and say, but you don't understand my situation. It's okay for me to be unfaithful because God, no, 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 no. You're not allowed to think that church. Look at me. You're not allowed to think that. I'm not saying I don't want you to think that. I'm not encouraging you not to. I am setting a standard that says you are not allowed to think that about your spouse. You are not allowed to think that about a brother or sister. You are not allowed to think that about yourself. And if you can start doing that, then we all grow up into the head that is Christ.
1: Amen. Good
0: because we have to be the same standard as the head that we are growing up into.
1: This is what we are trying to help you with today. What you consider this passage. In light of Noah and everything that he went through. 1 Peter chapter 4. We'll start in verse 7. Say, grow up when you get there. Grow up. up. The end of all things is near. Don't you think Noah had that same exact perspective? (laughs) The end of all things is near. It's raining. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. You know exactly the moments that I'm talking about. When your head is spinning, your heart is offended, you can't find shalom if it was taped to the front of your face. And the level of maturity, your level of faith and trust in God is then seen for exactly what it is and when you begin to repent you know what you find a clear mind when you begin to repent you know what you find you find self-control you're no longer trying to preserve an idolatrous thought or even possession you're letting it go to cling to the things of god no different than noah let go of the things of this world to cling to the god's uh, promise of rescuing him and his whole family When you're able to do that, then you can have right fellowship and commune with the living God. I've tried to pray a lot of times in the midst of my confusion. And God was telling me to repent of an attitude of my heart and I refused to. And then I I was wondering why it was so hard to then pray. And the Lord began to deal with my heart. And when I began to repent, the heavens opened up. And God's manifest wisdom began to be poured down into me. And then I was able to continue just as it is here in verse 8. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. That ability to repent and get a clear mind and self-control is a sign of maturity and that you're growing up. Verse 9 continues. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. (laughs) What a great clarifier hey, brother, is it okay if me and a bunch of my friends come over and fellowship with you guys tonight? Yeah, sure, all right. Oh, my God, I've got to clean up the house. do this. <laughs> is that a sacrifice that God is going to be pleased with? Come on, oh, don't stare at me it's like a monkey at a computer. You know exactly you've done that before. <laughs> you know, wives, you've, you've got that phone call or text from your husband that, you know, in five minutes, a horde of people are going to arrive at your house and be hungry hospitality without grumbling time to grow up each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others you know a lack of maturity will look at what you are lacking and then begin to drown in despair of how you're not useful to the body of christ and to the kingdom this says use whatever gift you have received from god To serve other people. That you discredit the gifts that God has given you and you want the gifts of somebody else because it will give you a greater level of self-esteem. Yeah, that's not sober judgment. That's not sober judgment. Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Saints, we are challenging ourselves and challenge you to grow up so that we can be faithful to serve others with the God's grace that he's given to us so that what he wants to pour through us can actually make it through to other people. We want to be vessels of his presence. Come on, that's a good word.
0: Let's look at some other folks here who were learned to faithfully serve actually their entire nation. Let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 2. 1 Samuel chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 26. First Samuel chapter two in verse twenty six, it says, and the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and in favor with men. Boy, doesn't that sound familiar? Doesn't that sound like it's the exact type of phrase that we used about Jesus in Luke chapter two? But here in first Samuel two, we're talking about the boy Samuel. Everybody say the boy, the boy. Yeah, this boy who actually showed a lot more maturity than all the adults in his life. He was showing maturity that was far beyond his years. He hadn't yet learned it, but he started hearing the voice of God and was trying to learn how to discern it. See, maturity isn't just about getting older. It's about growing up. Maturity is not about just aging out. (laughs) Praise God. I hope everyone continues to get older because it means you continue to stay on the planet. right? (laughs) But it doesn't mean that you're maturing and growing up. Man, if you think of Samuel from the time he was a boy to being a prophet that none of his words ever fell to the ground. Boy, you can see constant maturity that he grew so much that he was raising up schools of prophets to go along with him. This is the kind of growth that we need to be having, that we need to evaluate ourselves with and against so that we can see and
1: test our mettle against this kind of a standard. In 1 Samuel 2, God makes a promise. In verse 35, he says, I will raise up for myself a faithful priest. In replacing Hophni and Phineas, faithless priest, God was going to raise up a faithful priest in Samuel who who would do according to what was in his heart and his mind. You know, what God is trying to raise up in this house are faithful priests, much in the same way like Samuel, but needing to grow up so that in our maturity, we can have the full action of obedience to do what is in God's heart and it is mine at all times. Amen. Take a look with us at Jeremiah chapter 1.
0: Man, this one uh, started wrecking me this morning as we started reading through it. Jeremiah chapter 1. Man, this relates to every human being, every man, woman, and child in this room right now. It says this, Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 4. It says, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. What a special call that Jeremiah had before he was actually formed in his mother's womb. The Lord said, yep, I got a purpose and I need someone to fulfill it. I've got a man in mind. I've got a person in mind to fulfill a specific call to be a prophet to the nations, you know, I'm reminded of Ephesians chapter 2, where the Lord basically says the same type of things to us, doesn't he? For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You have a purpose, a design, a call, like Noah, like Samuel. You've got to grow up in these things so that you can fulfill that purpose. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. It's not like you just kind of started going along and they went, oh... I guess i got to do something with Rick. Uh, well, there's a need over here. I guess I'll put Rick on this. No, before, in advance, yeah. before you get there, God is working on this. He's got things for you to do. Look at verse 6 here in Jeremiah. Ah, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm only a child. Hmm. Samuel was a child at the start of the story. Jeremiah says he is only a child. Anybody relate to this thought? Anybody ever thought that you weren't prepared enough to do what it is that God is about to call you to do? Anybody thought that you're not yet able to do all that God has laid before you? Anybody ever felt that way? Feels like it's a little too lofty sometimes to do everything that we're saying. We've got the pressure of the generations that are upon us. This is why most churches don't preach this. People are doing good enough just to get through the week without sinning. And we're like, yeah, you got to take this to the generations, man. you got to take this to the end of the world. If we don't, then who will? We're saying, Lord, use us. And sometimes that feels too lofty. Anybody in the room ever felt
1: that way? Yes. Yes. Let's look at verse 7. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. God basically is saying, well... If you view yourself as a child, grow up. We're saying the exact same thing that God is. If you view yourself as incompetent to fulfill God's will for your life, it's time to grow up, church. That we cannot be afraid any longer of God's will because if it's his will being given to us, you know what else he's going to give you? His strength and his power to accomplish it. An immature view looks at God's will and says, I'm not strong enough to accomplish this. A mature view looks at God's will and says, I'm not strong enough to accomplish this, but God inside me can. And I can accomplish this. Your act of maturity is to go and do whatever God commands you to do.
0: That's right. Do you see how God does not allow Jeremiah to use that excuse? Well, it's one thing for Jeremiah, right? Ooh, he shouldn't have said he's a child. What's your excuse today? What's your I'm only a child excuse that you keep going back to? I'm going to say the same thing that the Lord is encouraging Jeremiah. You know why? Because the Lord has been saying this to me this morning. He's saying, you know, yeah, you know that thing that you say, you know, that thing that you you default to. You're not allowed to say that you're only a child. You're not allowed to say that you don't have what it takes. You are not allowed to go down that path. Y'all are looking at me with flat faces and zero affect here today it's okay I'm telling you and I'm encouraging you you cannot allow it not for a second not for a microsecond not at all in who you are that you have got this excuse that somehow God cannot overcome you know what overcomes it doing exactly what he says yeah it doesn't matter what you think it doesn't matter your excuse it doesn't matter your limitation do what he told you to do as you go forward and step forward in it, he will strengthen you. Look at his response here. You must go to everyone I send you to. Amen. And you must say whatever I say. I don't want to say that to them. What if they get mad? We've all had these thoughts. That's the thing that's so beautiful about this passage. Every man and woman in this room has said, The Lord has told you something. And you're like, uh, right, right now, Lord, you want me to do that right now? You see, there's a lot of reasons why right now is not going to work. Jeremiah was instructed, you can overcome whatever limitation you think you have if you just do
1: what he says when he says it. I want to take a survey real quick. Right now, not in the past, but right now. Who has been told something by the living God that you need to do, no matter how major or how minor, and you feel inequipped and underdeveloped to do it? Amen. If your hand's not raised, I'm going to pray (laughs) that God magnify (laughs) that to you, ask you to do something that you feel ill ill equipped to do before the end of this service so that you can experience (laughs) that revelation of the need to grow up and grow up into the power of God ready to fill you to
0: accomplish his will. Take a look at verse nine. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, amen. See what happens when you put the excuses aside? You know what really starts to happen? The Lord reaches out. You know what then happens? The Lord touches you and it touches your mouth. Now I have put my words in your mouth. See today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. See when we allow our excuses to die, Amen. when we get the right kind of sober judgment, when we get all grown up, the Lord reaches out to you. The Lord touches your mouth. The Lord begins to speak to you, which is exactly what he's been trying to do since January here in this church. Yeah, He's been saying things like out of Psalm 8110, I am the Lord, your God who brought you up out of Egypt, open wide your mouth and I will fill it, fill it with what? What is he going to fill your mouth with his words? See, we think we have to have everything worked out before we speak. The Lord says, speak and you just start opening up your mouth. And it's his responsibility to fill you so that you can give out. It's his responsibility to put his spirit within you that you may accomplish what his will is. It's his responsibility. No more excuses, folks. No more of these low living and low expectations that we have for ourselves. I can believe great things for God for someone else like a Justin Triester. Oh, oh, yeah, I can see that. But we we walk around with low expectations and closed mouths. Saying in our heart, I'm only a child. Yeah, that doesn't excuse you from accomplishing what God wants. Yeah. Samuel began hearing from the Lord as a child. Josiah as a king began to hear from the Lord as a child. Yeah. yeah, if you're anything more than a child. Yeah, even if you're a child in here, you have no excuse. Yeah. Much less the rest of
1: us. Come on, turn to Acts chapter 8. We'll start in verse 26. Say, grow up when you get there. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go to the south road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. See, what Philip heard was the voice of an angel, the Lord. And all that angel said was, go. And you know what Philip did? He went. As he went, come on, say it with me. As he went, the Lord began to direct him to the very moment where Psalms 81.10 would take place. That the Lord would fill his mouth with the next thing that he would need to say. And it resulted in, A greater understanding, a revelation of salvation that had just taken place there in Jerusalem. Verse 29, the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Sometimes we just need more instruction after we've been obedient with the first step. Verse 30, then Philip ran up to the chariot. Come on, Philip ran up to the chariot. Once we have that clear instruction of the next thing to do, we don't need to let any grass grow underneath our feet. Come on. Verse 31. How can I, he said, unless... I'm sorry, verse 30. Then Philip ran to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, the man said, unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading the passage of Scripture from Isaiah about the very thing that just took place in Jerusalem with Jesus as the fulfillment of Isaiah 53. In verse 34, the eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? But there are those moments that are waiting for your arrival out of your obedience. Where someone is longing to get greater revelation of God's Word, insight into salvation, and it's just a matter of your feet running fast enough to meet them in that moment. Amen. And once you are there, you are now the one on the scene to explain not just the knowledge, but the experience that you've had with Jesus. Philip wasn't just around gazing at the things that Jesus did, he was front and center experiencing the things that Jesus did. Philip opened his mouth out of obedience to God, and the Lord began to fill it with words that led to salvation, not just to this eunuch, but that he would take the salvation and impact his nation. And to this day, there are believers in Ethiopia because of Philip's obedience. Come on now.
0: Philip is an incredible example for us in the Bible. We don't often talk about Philip in our services. That's why I was kind of excited to focus in on Philip. Turn to Acts 21 verse 8 with me. Just a few more things about Philip before we move on. But you're going to want to catch this. Acts 21 verse 8 says this. Leaving the next day, we reached we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the evangelist. Whoa. Now, do you think that Philip, how do you think that Philip got that name? Do you think we said we have a title that we need? Uh, we're gonna okay. It's gonna be Mandy the, the the evangelist, or do you think it's because he went exactly where God told him to go, opened his mouth every time that the Lord told him to, the Lord filled it, and he became known as Philip, the evangelist? Amen. Wow. Wow. Look at the next verse. Oh, I'm sorry. Philip, the evangelist, one of the seven. I'm going to come back to that in just a second. He had four unmarried daughters. Come on. Kind of like the P. who prophesied. Oh, yeah. Kind of like the P. All right. <laughs> Philip was called evangelist. He had these daughters that he was raising up that could prophesy. But you know that that's not all that Philip was called. Nope. In Mark three, Philip was called one of the twelve disciples. Do you know that Philip was also called an apostle? In Mark 3, he was designated to be an apostle. You know what else he was called? Turn with me to Acts chapter 6. Philip the evangelist was called a disciple. He was called an apostle. He was called the father of prophets. Look what he's called in Acts chapter 6. Let's look at verse 5. Are you there with me? This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And also... Philip, you know how I know that this is the same Philip that we're talking about later on? Because it says that Philip, the evangelist, was one of the seven. I like how the Bible helps you, you know, do your research on this. Stephen, a man full of faith the Holy Spirit. Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. You know what they were laying their hands on them to be? Deacons. So the man who was a disciple, I mean an apostle, I mean a deacon, I mean an evangelist. So maybe it doesn't matter at all what your specific title is. Maybe to you, I'm your pastor. Maybe to someone else, I'm their disciple. Maybe to someone else, I'm an evangelist because I was the one that helped. The Lord allowed me to bring life And the gospel to somebody, maybe to someone else. What are you, What? why are you We worried even about titles? The point is, is that Philip was the kind of man who heard instruction from the Lord and ran to accomplish it. Then you're whatever you need to be, folks. You are whatever you need to be. I am not a pastor to everyone. I don't mean that I'm not willing to be. I mean that if you don't see me as a pastor, then I'm not your pastor. And you know what? I'm completely fine with that. Because I'm going to pastor the ones who know this shepherd's voice. Amen. I don't even have to go and try to do this. It's a tough job being a shepherd. I don't need other people who don't want to be one of the sheep. I do not need to speak. You know what I'm saying? This is what God is doing. And what we see in Philip, this man is a disciple. He's an apostle. He's a deacon. And he's an evangelist. Well, which one is he? Yes!
1: <laughs>
0: which one are you? Yes! What do you need to be? Do you need to be an evangelist at work? Then go speak the word of the Lord. Be an evangelist. Be an evangelist in your family. Go get somebody and bring them in in the kingdom, man. This is causing us to grow up in what we have. Our titles don't matter. We just need to become mature and we just do what God tells us to do. What a liberating thought for everyone in the room. If you do what he says, you will become what you need to become. And if you do it well enough, other people may even give you a title later on. See, you don't search after the title. If you function as a pastor in someone's life long enough, they will view you as a pastor. Yeah. Come on, if you, view, if you speak to enough people, Ibrahim, and you're telling them about the gospel everywhere you go like you do, you'll become known as an evangelist. This is the way that this works, church. We are disciples when we open our mouths enough When we're called a disciple when we're opening our mouths and seeking counsel from people, when we're learning, when we yield to something that someone has. We're an evangelist when we open our mouths and let God fill it and watch people come into the kingdom. We're not needing to be waiting on a title. We need to be those who are like in Hebrews 5.14, who through constant use, who through constant obedience to the word, are able to distinguish between the right and the wrong, and we do what God says to do with no excuses, with sober judgment. This means that we're all grown up.
1: Amen? Amen. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1. We'll start in verse 5. And we began this message relating our walk in the Lord as infants, tossed back and forth, right? And solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained their senses to distinguish good from evil. At what point in the kingdom are you fully trained? I don't think ever until I'm resurrected in my glorified body. 2 Peter 1 verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. And to goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. Come on. Here's the point. Verse 8. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure. Yeah. What kind of measure, saints? Increasing. Increasing measure. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. This past week, as I'm just asking the Lord to give me an, a, a direction of what today's message is supposed to be like. The word grow up was the first thing he began to drop in me, thinking of the several scriptures that we covered so far. But then there came a comparison that I began to see unfold, a greater level of just revelation about myself And the condition of our church at times. That there is a distinctive difference between growing up and getting older. There's a distinctive difference between growing up and getting older. Because growing up is always increasing in measure. Getting older can include growing up. But when it doesn't, it is stagnant. And it becomes ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge That's in Jesus true. Christ. But we have to evaluate our hearts. Where do we really stand before the living God? The way you see yourself. Have you achieved a level in Jesus where you are comfortable, where you have achieved a lead role among believers? And you have stopped doing what you did at first that got you there in the first place. You know that first love that is spoken of in Revelation, the church of Ephesus. They were known for their sacrifice and their hard works. They were known for going toe-to-toe with the teaching of the Nicolaitans. But their rebuke was, return to your first love. Or else I'll take my lampstand from your presence. The defining factor of a believer and thereby a church is that when you encounter them, you encounter the very presence of God. A lampstand is supposed to be in this building because the lampstand is inside of all of us. When we stop increasing in measure, when we stop growing up and just settle to get older with what we've already had, that lampstand is in jeopardy of being removed from the center of your life. If we do that as a church, the lampstand will be removed from this church. I don't want that. Mm-hmm. I want people to walk in and feel the presence of God because the people who are in the presence of God dwell within it. I've right. passed by church buildings that I've been a part of or someone else has. And it's no longer filled. It's an empty shell. I can see their craftsmanship And the way they designed stages and doors and rooms, it was once a thriving church. But its lampstand had been removed, and it's just an empty shell. We are admonishing you, church. Don't just settle to get older, but press in to grow up. Amen. Take a look at 1 Peter chapter 2.
0: We were just in Second Peter chapter 1. Now we're going to First Peter chapter 2. Grow up. Let's look at verse 1. How are we going to continue to do this? See, we're a church that we... Uh, the fluctuation in size that we normally encounter as a church is because we are growing up. We're adding new members. We disciple them and then we send out a batch every so often. Every few years we send out as many as we can send out. And then we start having to grow up some more. We gain more folks, we we raise them up and then we send them out. That is the design, this is what we want to do as a church. Yeah. We don't want to get much bigger than what we can handle as far as pastoring well. Yeah. That's, as, that's as big as we want to get. And we have a desire to reach the world at the same time. Amen. What a, what a, What a fun, what an incredible thing that God has called us to be here. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, all hypocrisy all envy, all slander of every kind, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk. Wow, what a good time in, in our church's history for us to be talking <laughs> yeah, and true. using this example, right? So that by, a, by it, the pure spiritual milk, it means, that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. What a beautiful analogy it gives us here, right? Yeah. Much like Philip, Peter here can be called many things. Peter is a disciple. As a matter of fact, he's the lead disciple, the hacham. He's an apostle. He was a water walker. He was a Christ denier. I don't know where you want to come in with looking at what Peter is, but here, this is Peter, a man who has got a heart to shepherd God's people. He is shepherding him. We must crave pure spiritual milk. What is the analogy here to a brand new baby? All that a little baby needs to know. You have a few things that you need to know. how to do with little babies feed them clean them in whatever way that that means and then give them rest it is an endless cycle of which one do we need to do if there's something else beyond that then it starts to panic in my book I'm like "Ah, I don't know I'm done I know three things to do there's a simplicity in a baby craving the pure milk of its mother there's nothing like it there's nothing like that connection this is what we are told that we should be desiring the Spirit of the Lord like. So pure, so singular focused. We must crave the pure spiritual milk with the simplicity of a newborn baby, but why? So that you can grow up. Yeah. Wait, wait, so are we supposed to be a baby or not? You're <laughs> supposed to crave pure spiritual milk like a baby so you don't stay a baby. He's saying that in your desire, in your purity before the Lord, you are like a child. But in everything else that you do, there's a savviness to you. There's a maturity to you that will never quit, that will never let down. You have an honest look at the Lord that says, I just trust Him. Like a little child, trust a father. Come on, jump. I'm scared. Just jump. Why? Because I'm your father and I will catch you every time. There's Just jump. It doesn't matter how high. That's right. Just jump because I'm your father. So in that way, we are pure. We are childlike. But we have a tenacity about us that is growing up. I'm going to seek the pure milk just like this, but I'm growing up. I'm doing everything so that I do not have to back down not one moment. I don't make excuses that I'm only a child. I'm able to grow and do everything. You know why? Because when he says it, I do it just like a child, which makes you mature. Now, what a neat thing that the Bible does here. It's a beautiful thing. Our attitude is supposed to be childlike, but our faith is not. True. Our faith is to be mature, seasoned, battle-tested, and
1: steadfast. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. Say, grow up when you get there. Hang in there with us. Stay alive. Although I hope to come to you soon. I am writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. You know, as pastors, our heart is much in the same as it is Paul's. That when we go to visit, either you or in your home or visit another ministry that was birthed from here. Our heart and our goal is that you are holding to. You are obtaining the truths and the foundation of what a church or what shalom should be and look like. Now this says particularly ought to conduct themselves in God's household. Not just a Wednesday night service. Not a Sunday morning meeting. Not an outreach, but what we dwell within is the family of God, which dwells within the household of God. Yeah, this means 24 /7, there is a standard that we are to grow up into.: amen. Yeah, no part of our lives is vacant from it.
0: Hey man, think about James chapter one. We know this passage well. Consider it pure joy. Why? So you go through all these different things so that perseverance can finish its work and we can be mature, not lacking anything. See, that's our desire for you today, is that you not lack anything and that you understand that you're not lacking anything because we're going on to maturity. The Bible says in Hebrews 13 that you should consider your leaders, remember your leaders and imitate their way of life, the outcome of their life. Why? You know, the world says that imitation is the highest form of flattery apparently the Bible says that imitation is a form of the maturation process and of maturity. That's a beautiful thing that we have going on here. This is is what we're driving towards today. Turn with us to Psalm 119 and verse 73.
1: Your hands made me and formed me. Give me understanding to learn your commands. Do you have that heart's cry this morning, saints? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want understanding of God's commands for you? May those who fear you rejoice when they see me. Wow, it sounds like a little bit of pride or, or boasting. <laughs> but for this reason, for I have put my hope in your word. Yeah. When we begin to grow up as a result of putting our hope in God's word again and again and again. The people who look upon our lives won't see us in our accomplishments. They'll see the glory of God and what he's doing through us. Yeah, man. You know, as I've watched the Rehossor family start a work of God and put their hope in his word again and again and again. Going through all types of hoops within the state. And yet to this day, they are still preserved because God's strength within them has been causing them to grow up into the call of God upon their life. There's something to be celebrated when we grow up the right kind of way. And the only way to grow up is to put our hope in his word. Amen. First Timothy chapter four, we are rapidly
0: uh, approaching our closing here and we need you to stay with us. This is worth your full investment here in this first Timothy chapter four and verse 15. Are you with me? Are you there? It says this: Be diligent in these matters. Give yourselves wholly to them, so that everyone may see your progress. Come on! This is one of the, my favorite things about LCM. We believe that we should be doing life together enough where you could, where we could all see each other's progress. This is what the kingdom of God looks like so that we can be close enough to each other that I can see that Daniel Cho is growing and in what ways he's growing. Specifically, the areas that he's beginning to conquer. I love it. I love being able to look at Brenton Vincent and going, man, I can see the areas that the Lord is is using difficulties to shape him, to mold him, to make him into the man of God that he is destined to be. This man will conquer the nations. He will be victorious in everything he does. I love knowing that about every one of you in this room. I love it that we are supposed to watch and see your progress. See, a lot of people don't like that because that means we also have to see where you're not always Mm. strong. Hmm. But if we have sober judgment about ourselves, we know that we're not strong in everything anyway, and we make no bones about it. Thank you so much. for You're right. Man, I was. Uh, yeah. Thank the Lord that he's helping me in that. Amen. I don't have that. I don't have victory in that area yet, but I really want it. So let's not pretend like you're weak where you're not weak. That should have just liberated your whole soul. If you actually got that, you don't have to pretend like you're good at the stuff you're not good at. But you also can't accept it and stay where you are. What a mature view that we are to have. Amen. I want everyone to see my progress, which means I can't be great at everything.
1: Yeah. Woo, that's a good word. I can't
0: only show you a Facebook kind of life that says this is all the good stuff and none of the bad stuff. Yeah, see, when we do life like this, the truth is, is we see it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> we know where you're weak anyway. Don't pretend like it's not there because we all see it. And when you don't see it, we actually think less of you. Then if you would just say that you're weak, yeah. say that I need the Lord to help me, we go, oh, man, they're getting it. They're going to get it. Yeah. They're going to work on it. See, the world would say if you expose your weakness, people look down on you. Come on. In the kingdom of God, when you mature, you actually worry about people who don't say where they're weak because you're like, do you see it? Are you just blinded to it yet? Or are you acknowledging it and don't have enough maturity to just tell me that you're weak in that area? Yeah. Mm. This is good. Y'all can sit there and be as quiet as you want. This is right. This is mature. This is what maturity looks like. Watch your life and your doctrine closely in verse 16. Persevere in them, because if you do... Come on, I'm telling you, watch your life and your doctrine closely. Pastor, we we know these scriptures. Yeah, but I'm asking you today, right now, to watch your life and your doctrine closely. Because if you do, if you can persevere and do and keep maturing... Remember, James, if you persevere then you can become mature, persevere in them, be mature in them. Because if you do, you save yourself and everybody who's listening to you, everybody who's watching your life, maybe at the end of your life, they'll say that you're an evangelist, too, because so many have come into the kingdom because of your life. This is
1: important for us today. Turn with us to Ephesians chapter four. You know, saints. Someone comes in, they're born again, radically transformed. Just like each one of you were at some point. And you begin to just devour God's word. You're coming to every meeting, you're listening to all 1,260 now, seven sermons on the LCM app. Constantly devouring, craving pure spiritual milk. And whenever you have a question about something uh, or somebody at work or in, or in your family, ask you a biblical question. You come and ask the pastors, you ask other people in the church, or you point to sermons. What a great place to be. But what a horrible place to stay. Because there should come a point where you are growing up, and you know what? You can give those answers. You know what? You can preach those sermons. Your hands can be laid on those who are sick, and they be healed in the name of Jesus. Your hands can be laid on those who are physically dead and spiritually dead, and they resurrect and come alive. Our goal is that you grow up and are replicating the same things that you see within us. Let's look at verse 11 in chapter 4 of Ephesians. It was he, that he being Jesus, who gave some to be apostles. Say apostles. Apostles. Some to be prophets. Say prophets. Prophets. Some to be evangelists. Say evangelists. Evangelists. And some to be pastors and teachers. Say pastors and teachers. Pastors and teachers. This is known as the fivefold ministry. The next verse is the declaration of what they're there for <laughs> to prepare God's people for works of service. You mean, Pastor Wade, that you gave up an entire career backed by a collegiate foundation and even a master's degree, set it aside because your call is to prepare God's people? It's my great joy to have done so. Absolutely. For works of service. We want you to grow up because there's work for you to do. Not just for your pastors to do. Yeah. We got our work cut out for us already. <laughs> there's works of service that God has prepared in advance for yeah. you to do. Just like Philip in the Ethiopian. Yeah. Until we... Uh, so, so that the body of Christ may be built up or grown up. <laughs> until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become, what's that next word, saints? Mature. Mature. Attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We kind of did a, a flip the script on you this morning. We started in Ephesians 4, but in verse 14, outlining what needs to be done and how it's carried out. But the very structure of our entire sermon was the five elements of the fivefold ministry. Let me let you know how. Noah, like an apostle, understood the call and function from a global perspective. Samuel and Jeremiah grew up into prophets that would warn the souls of men around them, calling them to repent and have sober judgment. Philip finished his life as an evangelist, bringing sobering judgment of God's word and salvation to those who were longing for it. Peter grew up to be a shepherd of souls, pastoring the hearts and minds of those in Jerusalem. And Timothy was planted as a model disciple who had grown up under the teaching of Paul and was commanded by him to teach the church, growing them up through the sober judgments of the apostles' teaching. Speaking of Timothy, let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter
0: 1. Peyton, as you come forward. See, what we're trying to set out for you is the fact that God has the right kind of help for you that you might grow up into maturity. He's given you a fivefold ministry. He's given you things that if you watch, look through the entirety of the word, you see how that we are supposed to be that every man, every woman, every child in this room is supposed to be able to accomplish everything that God has for you. That everything that God has for you is within your grasp if you will but just listen to what God says and be obedient immediately when He says it. Amen. That's maturity. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13. What you have heard from me, what you've heard from Pastor Matt and me today, keep as the pattern of sound teaching. From every section of the Bible, we've shown you that this principle stands true. We've shown you what maturity looks like. We've shown you what finding sound judgment looks like from every area of God's Word. Keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit. Man, how do you become mature? You learn how to be obedient. How do you become mature? You've got to become mature with the help of the Holy Spirit. If, if you think that any of us are able to do this without His empowerment, without His word coming and do this, then you just haven't done it long enough. Yeah. Galatians 3, 3. Are you so foolish that what, what you once began in the Spirit, you are now trying to complete or accomplish in the flesh? Wow. See, this is when our maturity comes in. Lord, I know that you've told me to do something. Lord, I'm gonna step out and do it. What does that mean? That means that you will become whatever you need to become. For some, you're going to look like an evangelist because you're helping to shine the light of God's gospel into their lives. For others, you're going to help teach them the Word of God. For others, See, what we learned last week was that we are sheep who are becoming shepherds. To some who we are looking towards, they are our shepherds. To others who are looking towards us, they are our sheep and we are the shepherds. This is what we're saying. Don't wait for somebody to have a title of an evangelist. Go speak the words that God gives to you. That's you guarding the good deposit that has been entrusted to you. Come on, somebody in this room say entrusted. Entrusted. That is a huge word that we just don't have time to get into right now. You have been entrusted with the deepest things that God has to offer. The treasures from a heavenly storehouse have been given to you. You have been entrusted with something that is incredible. Every husband should be thinking about his wife who's sitting next to him. Entrusted. Every parent should be thinking about their children that's either in this room or the next. Entrusted to them. Everyone should be thinking about Paul and the ministry. You've been entrusted. How do you mature in that so that you can rightly handle it? You've got to mature. You've got to be all grown up about this. Boy, there's no bigger compliment sometimes than I can give somebody. And I'm like, no, they're a grown up. They'll be fine. That's actually a compliment that I give. They're like, no, that person, it's difficult, but they're going to be all right. They know how to work through these difficulties. They have learned how to guard what has been entrusted to them
1: by the Holy Spirit. Let's stand to our feet. Put Revelation 3.3 up on the screen for me, please. Our whole focus this morning has been to grow up, and that process is to obtain sober judgment. And by possessing sober judgment, it allows you to demonstrate the maturity that you've grown up into. This is speaking to the church in Sardis. And Jesus says, remember therefore what you have received and heard. Let's put it in context of just this message this morning. Remember what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief. And you will not know what time I will come to you. God has a standard for us to rise up to. You are not allowed to say, I can't do it. It's too difficult for me. He has poured out his blood. He has poured out his spirit, enabling you to be right with him and empowered by him to accomplish his will for you. We're pushing you always, not just this morning, but every single day, that you need to grow up. We're going to open the altar. And as we do, I ask a few things from you. Number one, please don't come down and grovel. And bemoan your condition. Don't wallow in self-pity of, Lord, I've just let you down. I haven't grown up. No, I'm asking you to actually grow up. In the altar response, it's a head that's lifted high and saying, Jesus, I need you. I trust that what your word says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives liberally without finding fault. Have a mature response in an altar called trusting that God will impart into you what is required To do the will of God. Next week we're going to celebrate Pentecost. But I want to begin celebrating even now. That receiving of His Spirit. That receiving of that divine enablement to continually be increasing in measure. If there is ongoing sin. Things that you need to repent of. Please do that. If there is stubbornness and pride. Please repent of that but realize I want you to go beyond just that repentance. I want you to go into obedience and holding fast to what you have received and heard this morning. Amen? Lord, we lift up to you our heart, our mind, our souls. Lord, the very ownership of our life, we lay it down at your feet. Lord, in all areas, be Lord. Take the throne of our lives. In Jesus' Magnify to us areas where we're not hearing clearly that you're calling us to grow up. Lord, bring sober judgment to our hearts and minds this morning. We ask that your spirit come. Come. Fill us anew. Fill us with your wisdom. Fill us with your revelation and knowledge. That we may serve you wholeheartedly and have the same things said about us as it was, Noah. That we did everything you commanded us. We love you, Jesus, and we submit all things to you.